with great joy this morning that I welcome Pastor Tori Dawson to come bring the Word of God to us. Amen. Love you. Thank you. Oh. Okay, so if you like know me just a little bit, you know that this is like the most uncomfortable thing that I have to do. Um, but I'm so grateful that I get to just spend a few minutes and just talk about the word for a minute. Pastor Nathan was like, well, you, it's Life Group Sunday and you can talk about life groups. And I was like, yeah, this isn't, I can't just do a promo for life groups. I have to actually have a, have a message. So I was like, oh, okay, great. Um, but the Lord is always faithful and he had already laid something on my heart. And I was like, okay, how are we gonna work with this? So. I'm just honored that Pastor Nathan is allowing me to, to speak to you today and that so many people that are in my life group have come to support me. But before I start, can we just pray real quick? Father, I just, I come to you so grateful with such gratitude that you chose us in this time to be a part of the mission that you are doing here at Life Church, but, but globally, Father. And I just ask that... Um, Everything that is spoken today, it's just from you, that it's anointed from you, that um, as we sing that song, that this breath in the lungs are yours. Father, may this, this message be yours. And Father, I just thank you for this day, and I thank you for the, the people that brave the cold to be here. We just honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so January, I have a love-hate relationship with January. Um, most people are excited because it's a new year and it's a fresh start and it's uh, the turning the page, if you will. For me, um, as a photographer and a doula, my busy season is right before Christmas and then we go into Christmas. And so January for me, I need rest. So that's just what I want to do. The cold weather makes me want to hibernate. And, um, and so that's kind of where I'm at. But in the business world, everybody's talking about Q1. What are your goals? What are you doing? How are you expanding and growing? And then, of course, around here, there's what's your word of the year? My friend makes a beautiful word every year, and I think, wow, I should do that. That seems neat. And as we get closer to the new year, it, there's so many words that are great that I'm like, this is overwhelming. I'll just stick with not doing it. <laughs> And then there's, you know, the resolutions, losing weight, just starting a new thing, reading your Bible for a year, all the things, right? There's just so much pressure. And for me, I just want to hide from it. And it got me thinking about how uh, we have natural seasons in life. And the, the Bible talks about the seasons of sowing and reaping. And it got me thinking about farming and how in the Old Testament and even in the early New Testament, they really lived by those seasons, right? And there was that season where you planted and you worked the soil and you cared for it. And then there's that time where you have to get ready to harvest. You have to gather people to help you do that. And then the harvesting happens and there, it's a lot of work. But right afterwards, there's this time of fellowship and then rest. And we let the soil rest. There's a time that the, the soil has to have that moment of hibernation so that it can grow again. And so for me, uh, January tends to be that time. The Bible talks about in Matthew 13, 23, as for what was sown on good soil, 
This is the one who hears the word and understands it. Hears the word and understands it. You have to be good soil to be that. He indeed bears fruit and is yielding. Luke 8.8 8 says it slightly differently and says, And some seed fell on good soil and grew and yielded hundredfolds. These same things he called out, He who has ears, hear, let them hear. So the good soil is being able to hear the Lord, right? And so I want to be that good soil. But that good soil takes work. There's a lot of work that comes with that. And... Um, in farming, that means that you have to work the soil, and then you have to give it rest, and then sometimes you have to add nutrients to it. Um, oftentimes, in Indiana, farmers swap out the crop every other year so that the soil stays healthy. Um, in our own life, in our soil that we need to have, I believe that Jesus modeled three things that you need to work that soil, and that's to know scripture. Jesus knew scripture and he modeled that well. Prayer and fasting, and then of course doing life with people. And you know I'm a life group gal, so we're gonna talk a lot about that. Okay, so back to the new year. So I don't make resolutions, and I don't do the word of the year, and I don't do any of the things, I just don't. But this year, something happened to me. So um, in November, my family and I, we were on vacation. And we really needed this vacation. We were in a season that had been super busy. There was a lot of, um, just, there was just a lot of disconnect within the family. And so we needed to get away. So we went away with our best friends. We went to Florida and it was like the most peaceful thing. We got this beautiful Airbnb. It was on this dock, like there, it was like canals. And it was just peaceful. You could sit in that house all day and just hear the, the Lord because it was just so peaceful. Um, so every day I got up, I was always the one who was the earliest to get up. That's just my tendency. Well, Noah does too. <laughs> um, and I would sit on that dock with coffee and I would do my devotions. And um, on one of the first few days there, I knew that the Lord was calling us or moving us. Something was happening. I just felt it in the air. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't think it was bad, and I didn't think it was good. I just knew there was a stirring in my spirit. So while I was doing my devotions, I was reading um, Exodus 19, and, and starting out, there was nothing real remarkable. You know, I'm just going through the Bible. But then I got to um, verse 5, and it says, Now therefore, you will indeed, if you will indeed, obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession. And I thought, I'm breaking things. <laughs> um, we'll just leave that. Oh, it's probably my Bible. Pastor Nathan to the rescue. And I thought that, um, you know, the Lord just really spoke to me. Will you obey my commandments? And I'm thinking, well, I'm generally a rule follower. It gets me in trouble with Life Church because I'm a rule follower. <laughs> so I'm like, yes, of course I will. Um, and then I just go on with my day. I didn't really think about it. Um, and I just, you know, you just kind of like, well, that's a weird question to ask me. Like, there's a lot of things I do wrong. This following rules are, I'm pretty good at. And so we have this wonderful vacation. We come home, we're renewed. My husband and I had decided that 
Um, there would probably be a transition of his job later in the new year. And so we were just ready for the holidays. And then literally, just like that, we were home for maybe, what, three days? And the Lord opens an opportunity. And I'm like, oh. Well, Grant tells me, it'll never happen. It's fine. I'm not qualified. I'm like, great, we'll go with that. So we'll just pray about it. Uh, and then he interviewed. And then the Lord was like, oh, this is happening. And I stood there in that moment of panic, like, is this really happening, God? Um, and the Lord brought me back to that exact moment, sitting on that dock, and he said, will you obey? And I had a choice in that moment to be the rocky soil and dig my heels in, because if I had said no, my husband had been like, okay, and he would have done it. And, um, but I knew that the Lord was calling us, and so I could be that rocky soil and just dig my heels in and make this work and it probably would have fallen apart, because I've done that before, it doesn't ever work out. Um, or I could just choose to be that good, rich soil that the Lord can grow something in, and not just grow something in, but that when that thing grows and he says, you gotta let it go, that I'll easily release it to somebody else, which is what I'm doing now. I'm being fully obedient. Um, you know, in that passage in Exodus, the Lord is talking to the Israelites, and in that time, he's asking them to keep this covenant that he hasn't yet fully unveiled. So he's asking them to, to just by faith agree to this. Well, that's kind of what God does, right? He calls us to keep a covenant, or he calls us to have faith, or he calls us to whatever it is before he ever fully reveals it. He wants to see how obedient we are, how much we trust that he's got us. He knows where we're going to be. So anyway, so Pastor Nathan let the cat out of the bag. I wasn't going to tell everybody that we're leaving. But um, so yeah, so we're in that process of transplanting my whole family to somewhere else. And can I tell you something? Being obedient, I'm standing up here, I'm like, we're going to be obedient, and I'm smiling. Uh, it's not that easy. <laughs> it really isn't. There are days that it's hard, and you know what helps? I have this amazing tribe of people that most of them are sitting here that have encouraged me, have encouraged my family, have helped us. Like, I have a life group that is amazing. I know that the Lord has some some other people for me, but these are my people, and we wouldn't make it through this without people. So every day, you have to choose to lean in and be obedient. So back to that good soil. I want to be the good soil, and um, it's, it, it isn't easy. Soil has to be worked, and so that means that there is the breaking of the ground. There is a breaking in you that has to happen. There is a softening that has to happen. There is a period of time that you have to be in rest. And I don't really like that time. I tend to be a doer. I do a lot of things. Um, but Jesus amazingly modeled how to be good, rich soil. And so I just want to talk about those for just a minute. But first, 
to be good soil, all that is is just letting the Holy Spirit lead in every area of your life. There's no like magic trick to it. It's just allowing him to speak in every area and not hold back because my tendency is, wait, let's make a plan. Hold on. Um, and that's not the Lord. The Lord wants you to start moving. Then he will reveal. Um, and so the thing about Jesus is that he modeled how to be in step with the Holy Spirit. In John 5:19, Jesus says, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing on his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. And so when I talk about Jesus modeling, Jesus did exactly what the father said. The most amazing thing to me about Jesus and God and the, the whole Christian faith is that we have a God that wanted to connect with us so desperately in a space that he emptied himself of all of the, the God-like parts of him so that he can be and empathize with us. And, I mean, I don't know any other religion that even comes close to that. Um, but the fact that, you know, going back to the Israelites, there was a point in Exodus where God's like, gather the people, I want to talk to them. And they said, no, you go up and do that. They were afraid. And and God wanted so desperately to get back to that walking in the garden that he gave the Holy Spirit. Well, we wouldn't understand how to communicate with the Holy Spirit if Jesus didn't model it first. And so Jesus modeled exactly what we need to be doing by leading into the Spirit. He did nothing without consulting it. Um, so there's three things that Jesus modeled that I believe that it takes for us to have that rich soil to allow the Holy Spirit to lead and the first is to read your Bible. You cannot hear God's voice if you don't know God's voice. Uh, Jesus knew scripture inside and out. I love the passage in scripture where Jesus is literally reading about himself, and then he's like, and now it's finished. It has been completed. Um, he knew scripture inside and out, and we, we really do. The more that you're in the word, the more that you hear him. Um, Sorry, I got lost. Um, I'm kind of a numbers girl, and so when I started looking up statistics, how many people read the Bible, only 11% of Americans read the Bible every day. 11%. Like, you wonder why the American culture is the way it is? 11% of people read the Bible. Um, what's even more staggering is that only 38% of pastors actually read the Bible for personal study. That's, that's like people who like do it for a living. It, that, that saddens me. But the lack of reading the Bible makes really rocky soil. It's really hard to get stuff to grow in that if you don't know the word. Uh, the second thing that he modeled was prayer and fasting. Uh, Jesus, so there's some discrepancies in all of this research I did, but Jesus prayed at least 36 times documented in the Bible. I'm sure he prayed without ceasing. Like, I'm sure that how Paul talks about it in Thessalonians, that you pray without ceasing. I know that that's what God was doing. Um, but the Bible often said, like in Luke 5:16, but Jesus himself would often slip away into the wilderness to pray. Um, 
Also in Mark 1.35, he would get up early in the morning while it was still dark. Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. The thing about it is, I love that song that Brandon Lake does, Talking to Jesus, because that's literally what it is. Just start talking to him. So if you're struggling with communicating with the Lord in prayer, that's how you get to know him. It's not the other way around. He knows you. He wants you to get to know him. You know, find that space. Pray without ceasing. Find that prayer closet where you can just sit in the quietness. Let him speak to you. That's what Jesus did. And then Jesus went and did something. He always consulted the Father. Um, And then he also fasted. Uh, As Pastor Nathan said, the Bible said, when we fast, um, Jesus fasted. And um, in Matthew 4, 1, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This is right before ministry starts. A big thing is going to happen, so Jesus goes off led by the Spirit, um, to fast. And I used to have this um, love-hate relationship with fasting. Like, I just felt like it was a biblical principle, you have to do it, so every Lent, I fasted. And I begrudgingly got through it, and then I was like, great, now I can have a candy bar. Um, But a couple of years ago, in my life group, Bible Babes, we were studying about the principles of just Christian principles, and one of them was fasting. And the Lord revealed to me that fasting is not, you know, just this biblical principle you need to do. If you want the Spirit to lead in your life, you have to fast. And it's because our flesh and our spirit are at war with each other all the time. And unfortunately, the flesh is really loud. And it makes us stay comfortable and it makes us indulge when we shouldn't and it makes us make poor choices um and so sometimes the spirit becomes that still small voice and it needs to be the reverse your flesh needs to be that really small voice well fasting makes your flesh go into obedience with your spirit it forces that obedience and so you know those first couple of days of fasting well man that's a bummer it just sucks (laughs) (laughs) You know, somebody has your favorite meal, somebody's going to, like, come and invite you to the most amazing restaurant, whatever it is, Um, and you're like, oh, I can't, I'm fasting. And you also know the biblical principle, you can't be, like, telling people that, so you're like, oh, I'll just pass. Um, But inside, you're like, they don't know, so I could just break it for a minute. Um, But then you get to day three and five and nine, And all of a sudden, you stop having that, and your spirit's really strong. And, you know, Jesus fasted for 40 days in that period of time. And a lot of people say, and we were even at staff meeting, and somebody had said, you know, Jesus was at his weakest when he was tempted. And I I was like, I actually don't think so. My experience with fasting is that sometimes as it goes, I actually get stronger, and even my flesh gets stronger. Um, There have been times where it's like, oh, I can do this a couple more days. And your spirit is really strong. So I think that for us, I think he modeled fasting, because for us, it does take a period of time to get your flesh back into submission. And, you know, I don't know what that timeline is for you, but for me, it, it, it takes a little more than seven days. I gotta... 
how to get there. Um, but take the time to let your flesh come into submission. Um, in Hebrews, it talks about, uh, for we do not have a high priest that cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who can be tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. He modeled being able to walk through that. Like, it still fathoms me that he wanted to, to walk in flesh like we did. Because like, I'm walking in and I'm like, mm, it's not, not, not a picnic all the time. And he did it so he can empathize with us, so that he knew that we can relate to him in a different way. So we wouldn't be the Israelites going, no, I'm afraid. But we would come in and be like, yeah, you've been there too. And then the third thing that Jesus modeled was life groups. So uh, I thought it was funny as I was reading through. Uh, literally, you know, the Bible talks about Jesus starting his ministry. He goes, gets baptized, he goes out into the desert, and then he goes and he uh, makes disciples. <laughs> like, that's just the, the order of things. And so um, in Matthew 4.18, it talks about while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who he called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting the nets into the sea. They were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, I want to get there. I want to be that immediately. I'm not there yet. They left their nets and followed him. And going from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, Mending their nets, he called to them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father, and they followed them. I wonder how the father felt. Like, see ya. I'll take care of the things. Um, I want that spirit, though. I want that immediate, because I'll tell you, when Grant was like, we're moving across the country, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be okay. <laughs> um, but at the beginning of his ministry, he knew he needed people to do ministry with. And we see these disciples in every big moment of Jesus' ministry. He has them gathered with him. And every moment where Jesus is feeling like um, he needs the support, like in the, in the garden, he asks them to come with him and pray for him. Like he needed them. Um, and I think he was trying to model for us, like in your hardest times, when you're going to walk through something really hard, you need your people those people aren't going to be there if you don't sow into them first. And so Jesus sowed into them. He um, gathered people. They weren't always like-minded, but they had the same goal. Uh, they grew in their faith. Having a life group is a place where you can be protected. You know, you're going to go through stuff. The enemy's going to go through stuff. I like in Growth Track how Pastor Nathan uh, does this visual where he has everybody hold arm in arm with their backs to each other because then nobody's exposed. That's your life group. They protect you. In the army, we say you have your six. Um, you just have a battle buddy at your back all the time. Um, and you grow spiritually together. You cannot grow at all by yourself. You can read the Bible and you can memorize it and you can be amazing, but you'll hit a ceiling. The Lord has so much more. There is so much more that the Lord wants to do with you, and you cannot do it without people. You just can't. 
Um, in Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so does one sharpen another. You cannot sharpen a sword without the sharpening stone. You just can't. Otherwise, you have a dull sword, and who wants that? Um, even in Genesis, God said, it is not good for man to be alone. There was never an intention for us to be alone. Even when the garden was perfect and the Lord was walking with them, he never had the intention of them being alone. If you want to grow spiritually, you have to do it with others. Jesus probably spent 90% of his time with the disciples. And I would guess that other 10% were all those times he went off by himself to, to be with the Father. He spent time with them. He fellowshiped with them. He broke bread with them. He, I'm sure that they had fun together. Um, that's what we need to do. We need to have that tribe. Um, life groups were so important to Jesus that even though he knew one within them would betray him, he still leaned in. He still gave all that he had to all of them. He knew that Judas would be the one that, to betray him because not only did he know the scripture really well and it was prophesied a lot, um, I can actually give you some of those. I will in a minute. But he sometimes gave him the best. He did not keep anything from him. He still leaned into that relationship and all the others. John 13, 18 says, I am not speaking to all of you. I know who I have chosen, but the scriptures will be fulfilled. He who ate bread has lifted his heel against me. He's referencing a, a, a quote in Psalms there. In John 13, 21, after these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit. He testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. That's the thing he knew. We don't always get to know. He knew and he still modeled to lean into that. He gave the disciples everything. He leaned into even the parts that weren't great. Um, he never gave less. My experience with life groups is nobody joins a life group to be the betrayer. Like, nobody's coming into your life group like, I am totally going to backstab you. That doesn't happen. <laughs> but what does happen is group of people come into life group and you have a disagreement or you have a difference of opinion or you have to have a tough conversation that you didn't want to have, or somebody in your group saw something and they, they're just trying to make you aware of it, and it hurts, and hurt feelings happen, and disagreements happen, and a lot of people just quit going. But I'm telling you, lean into it, because what you also get out of your life group, you get joy, and you get friendship, and you get an extended family you didn't know you had. You get healing. And you get to watch people get healed, which is even greater. I love that part of life groups. Um, but not only that, but you give the Lord an opportunity to use you in a way that you couldn't be used in any other way. You get to step into ministry and use your gifts in a way that you could never do without that tribe. My experience, and Pastor Nathan touched on it, but my experience is that when you have the greatest pain, when you feel the greatest hurt, the Lord uses that for the greatest spiritual growth. I have grown more in the pain than I ever did in the great times. And 
but you have to lean in. You have to be like Jesus. You have to be willing. I know it's going to happen to me, but I'm going to lean in and give you all that I have anyways. So, in case I haven't, like, really told you enough how much you need to be in a life group, let me give you some numbers because, again, I like the numbers. Lifeway Research <clears throat> did a, a, a study, and then they found that those who are not involved in a group are missing out on one of the most effective tools in your Christian growth. 63% of regular group attenders say they intentionally spend time with other believers so that they may grow in their faith. 73% of group attenders say that they intentionally put their spiritual gifts to use, serving God and others in the church and outside. Um, 79% of churchgoers who belong to a group are more likely to go to church four times a month. 28% will start reading their Bibles. How great is that? 69% of group members will feel closer to God. If you're not feeling close to God, join a group. Like, you'll feel close, trust me. 74% uh, of people will understand the Bible better. How many times have you read the Bible and you're like, I don't know what that means. In Bible babes, this would happen all the time. I hated being a leader of a group that was studying the Bible because there was a lot of times I'm like, I don't know. And I'd have to call Pastor Nathan. <laughs> but that's okay. Because you know what we did? We all researched it. We all got better at finding the answers as a whole. 66% um, of people trusted God more. If you're having a trust issue, join a group. They'll help you. They'll encourage you. I've never had more encouragement now in this season than, um, than I do right now. And it's like, there are times where I'm like, am I just crazy? And they're like, no. You're being obedient to the call. And then I'm back in it. Um, also, and I thought this was interesting, 48% of people became more loving in their relationships. It kind of grows on you. You start to give people in your group grace, and then it bleeds off into other areas, right? Um, so, today is Life Group Preview Sunday, and this is the first time Life Church has done it. I want you to take advantage of it. In the lobby, there are um, all the groups that are happening here at uh, this campus. You can always go on the online directory and see all the groups at every campus. Um, check them out. Start praying about it. See which one you should be in. Everybody should be in a group. If there's not a group for you, come see me or Kara if she's here. Oh, there's Kara. Um, we would love to get you connected so you could lead the group that you need. Um, if you don't know how to get connected to a group, please come see us. We, we're happy to connect people. That, I, that's my favorite thing to do. This is not my favorite thing. That is my favorite thing. Um, there's all kinds of groups. I'm going to touch on just a couple. Freedom group. You're, you have a freedom group here happening on Wednesdays. It's Pastor Gentry and his wife. Um, freedom is near and dear to my heart. I have watched so many people just... We've seen physical healings. We've seen emotional healings. We've seen it all. Like, it's amazing. But personally, so I have a really good friend, and he was kind of on the fence about being a Christian to start with. They went through freedom. And then, um, you know, it was, we, we were working. Um, then he came to conference. And then 
he served at conference and something about serving there and watching other people get free that solidified the deal um, and it's just amazing to watch people go from hmm I don't know about this Jesus to being I'm all in I want to be there um, so if you haven't been in a freedom group be in a freedom group uh, there's also a healing group here where they'll teach you how to pray for healing there's knit and crochet. There's, there's all kinds of groups out there. It's, it's amazing. Um, next week, we will have Life Group Sunday. You can sign up for all the groups. There'll be probably even more groups because people are last-minute people at Life Church. Um, there'll be food. It's going to be like a food-filled Sunday here. <laughs> Maybe I'll come here. Um, so there'll be food in the morning. There's going to be food in the evening. Come uh, spend time uh, getting to know leaders. And then... In my closing, as I close, in life groups, we always say that we want you to move one step in your spiritual journey. Today, you have an opportunity to move one step now, whether that's getting into a life group, which all of you should, if I haven't mentioned that. Um, but maybe your one step is just to read your Bible. Or maybe it's to come to 21 days of prayer for the very first time. Here's the thing, we are all family, and we all have a one step we're supposed to be taking right now. The Holy Spirit has already talked to you about whatever your one step is, and take that action, be obedient, be that soil that the Lord can grow in, and take that action now. Um, I wanna pray for us, but the prayer team can come up. If you're struggling, if you don't know how to overcome. If you're one that was in a group and you got hurt and you weren't ready to go back, let's heal that. Let's get rid of that. If you and were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Our mission is simple. Come to life, connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.